Previously on Those Were the Days. I mean, for one thing, the vitamins, I took them. Like the can opener in particular. Jackie Gleason actually thought about suing Hanna-Barbera. I know what I'm YouTubing right after this. You remember, he was like Cousin It with a club. They were like, oh no, here comes a pterodactyl and it just pooped on an entire car. It being a kid's show would have stopped cigarette companies. Uh, and was shocked at some of the things my adult brain saw at this episode. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk about it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and my favorite, uh, Shagel Bexizinkus, or Old Shaggy for short. Those Were the Days is filmed before a live internet audience. Internet. The final, I mean, another frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Those Were the Days. It's weekly mission to watch classic TV, to seek out all types of shows and view through a modern lens, to boldly go where plenty of people have been before. So yeah, welcome everybody to Those Were the Days. I joked before the, the show started, if anybody wanted to do the singing part of the uh, Star Trek theme. I can't. Nobody I can't tried. those notes. See, there we go. <laughs> so, welcome to Those Were the Days. Uh, we're continuing our series on Jumping the Shark and all the ways we continue to interpret that theme. I'm Audie. I am your captain this week, but I wouldn't be anywhere without my crew, as always. So, joining, on, joining me on this voyage is First Officer Commander Amy. All right, so listen, I know I beamed over here in my space miniskirt and my space go-go boots, and I know that we're far enough into the show that you think you know what's going to happen, right? You think that me and Kirk are going to, mm, mm. Yeah, that's not what's going to happen, really, mostly. <laughs> then we have Chief Engineer, Lieutenant Commander Steven. I'm no morgue or i morgue. <laughs> and finally, our science officer, Lieutenant Commander Travis. Fascinating, Captain. <laughs> so, in case, Star Trek. in case you haven't figured it out, we are talking about Star Trek, the original series, Season 3, Episode 1, Spock's Brain. Now, I chose this one because this is the one everybody kind of refers to as where Star Trek kind of jumped the shark and went downhill from here. When you look into it, it's not entirely just the show's fault. Um, Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about Star Trek because, good Lord, it's a cultural phenomenon. Who doesn't know about (laughs) Star Trek now? Um, But a couple just bullet points. The original series started on NBC on September 8th, 1965. I was surprised how old this show was. It did not hit me until I looked at that date and was like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. It only ran for three seasons, 79 episodes. Mm-hmm. Let that start- sink in really quick. A, a, right. a cultural phenomenon, a touchstone. You can't find anybody that doesn't at least know the name Star Trek. Right. It didn't even make 100 episodes. Exactly. After we've talked about some of these older shows, like Green Acres ran forever and stuff like that, Star Trek only lasted 79 episodes. 
So it started in uh, Thursdays at the 8.30 to 9.30 block. And then season three, as it was on a downward spiral as far as ratings go, um, NBC wasn't crazy about it. They were going to try and move it to Mondays, but Laugh-In was like, "Uh uh-uh, back up. (laughs) (laughs) And so they moved season three to Fridays at 10 p.m. Oof. And then you wonder why it got canceled (laughs) after that. And everybody from Gene Roddenberry to everybody on the cast was like, yeah, they weren't trying to kill us. Oh, wait, they were. Yeah. They should have just done it. But so they gave him this last season. And um, so that's where I thought of all the jumping the shark kind of shows we've talked about and all the ones we were looking up. This was the only other one that, you know, is streaming in a decent place um, that I thought would be fun to talk about. So, um, now I remember we talked about last week. One of us has not had that much Star Trek in their life. <laughs> Steven, <laughs> want to share with the That'd class be. about that? Yeah, I'd, Star Trek was just never a thing. I, I don't know why necessarily. When I was growing up, TNG, the next generation, was Star Trek, you know? And I had this weird aversion to, like, crazy makeup, you know, creatures <laughs> and stuff. Like, I didn't like the fifth element the first time I watched it when I was young because um, of the way the creatures were done. Stuff like the Labyrinth freaked me out, and I'm a huge Jim Henson fan, but, like, I couldn't watch Neverending Story. There's just something about the vibe of, like, heavy makeup faces alien stuff that I just couldn't handle as a kid. So I just never watched it. I had friends that were super into it. My best friend across the street, he loved Star Trek uh, and Star Wars. And I didn't like Star Wars either until I was, like, 13, you know, when the special editions came out. So it just wasn't... We we were a very horse driven family. <laughs> so it's not like my parents are really into Star Trek. Like if I was gonna get anything from them, it was gonna be Gunsmoke and Roy Rogers. It wasn't gonna be <laughs> space people. So I just it just passed me by and I just never uh I I knew the characters to some degree, but it just never it was never in the house. It was never a thing I, I paid attention to. Sure. All right, Travis, what's yeah, your I his- missed out. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Travis, you what's your history with Trek? Oh, boy, Star Trek. Uh, Just give me all the Star Trek you can. I grew up, I remember watching original series. I remember the animated series um, Mm -hmm. would play. I think, I can't remember what channel I saw it on, but I know I watched the animated series. I was there for Encounter at Farpoint when it debuted um, for TNG. I remember having um, VHS recordings of the debuts of DS9 and Voyager. Uh, I was all about all Star Trek all the time. I did an art project in like fourth grade, making a paper, like a construction paper cutout of Geordi LaForge, but we didn't have any brown construction paper. <laughs> so we made him a white guy, and it was his cousin Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so much stuff. I mean, I just all about Star Trek. Loved it uh, all the way. Steven, it sounds like you grew up with an aversion to forehead appliances. Is the problem. <laughs> this could be it. Anything with a too large forehead, would just, I that's like, handle it. That's like 90% of the makeup effects in Star Trek is just yeah. put something on their forehead and maybe a little something on their nose, and you've got an alien. And um, maybe their ears yeah. here and there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, love, love Star Trek and all of its cheesy glory. All right, Amy, what about you? What's your history with Trek? Uh, yeah, we were a huge uh, 
TNG family growing up. Uh, my uncle drove for Bose Speaker Company, and so he got discounts. So we had the big stand-up Bose speakers with the big subwoofer, and those got turned on. They were hooked up to the TV, and those got turned on for Star Trek. So you could feel the engine in your chest. Nice. And it was great. Uh, that was appointment television. I've, I, it's... That's like the definition of appointment television for me, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, we'd be like, oh, it's Friday night. Let's watch TGIF. You know what I mean? But if it was Star Trek, it was like the whole family and there was popcorn, but like real popcorn with actual butter, you know? Yep. And <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Love Star Trek. Very cool. Yeah, I grew up, I remember watching TNG pretty much almost religiously for a while. Um, that was my first instance into Trek. And that's the one I followed the most. I never followed the others that much. But I wasn't averse to watching them if they were on. If You know, if I was at somebody's house or something, like, hey, this is on. I was like, okay. Um, and I remember seeing episodes of the original series um, here and there. And just, it, it's, Star Trek's one of those things. Like I said, a cultural phenomenon. Even if you haven't watched it, you know it because of all the ways people talk about it and have reacted and, you know, done various versions of it in their own way. Like just the film the, galaxy quest, you know, yeah. is an interesting, or the one for me was, was Zap Brannigan. Like, you know, intellectually mm-hmm. that Zap Brannigan is Kirk. And then you watch the show and you're like, Oh jeez. Yes. <laughs> yes it yeah, is. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not as much of a parody as you, no. as you initially thought. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's like, I mean, Star Trek was just that thing that, like, it brought, I don't know, there was a certain, uh, there was a, a cheese factor to it, there was a Buck Rogersness to it, but there was also, like, a like a legitimacy that it brought to sci-fi on TV mm-hmm. that you didn't see before that. Like, it was taking itself seriously, but also not too seriously. Yeah. Right. But even John Rick, it was Roddenberry. A... Go ahead, Steve. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Audie. I was, it was setting up a world where it's us in the future, you know, and it's got, like, before then, it, you, a lot of TV was stuff that you see normally, like, every day. It was sitcoms and westerns and stuff, but it was, like, us way in the future. Not some weird version of us or some, like, monster aliens coming to Earth. It was us doing something uh, special, like us, try, the utopian society going out and doing something. Maybe that was in- inspirational for people. Uh, to see like so many different types of people flying in the same ship, it was a very diverse show. Oh yeah, you know. Um, so Wasn't I think it? that probably. Well, that's what I was about wanted. to say. That Gene Roddenberry was very intentionally progressive in that sense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't it wrote... like the first primetime interracial kiss? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the '60s, you had a black woman as a prominent character. You had a Russian prominent character together with these people Mm -hmm. and all of them were on the same level like nobody was really talked down too much unless scotty was around but you know (laughs) you can blame that on the scots um yeah but he's just an engineer right (laughs) (laughs) you know it it, i i I gotta admit it's kind of funny watching the old star trek because I think I got used to seeing Scotty in the movies as an older, larger person mm-hmm. than yep. a younger, thinner person more than yeah, anybody he, like, else. Walked in the door and I was like, look at how thin he is. He's just mm-hmm. a little guy. And yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but DeForest Kelly always looked like he was just bordering on 60. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then he, and then days. and then he just got old, old. Like yeah. it was just mm-hmm. amazing. Like he just he always looked uh, grizzled. I think would be yep. the yeah. term I would use for it. Well, I mean, if you stood William Shatner up in front of me from that era and didn't tell me who he was, I would be like, "Who's that guy?" You know, because he looks a lot different than he did even ten years after that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, "Oh wow, he's definitely changed a lot." It's like he has a completely new face. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you can see because they didn't do the movies until ten years after the show was canceled. Like, yeah. right? So it's it's impressive to think about how far this came from a three season show. And then a movie, and then a series of movies to a whole new generation of shows, and then it's just been exploding ever since. Yeah, um, I would say not a huge explosion until recent years when CBS decided, "Hey, we should do some more Star Trek stuff." And well, really, got I mean, people yes, on board but also this. like it was it was fans that brought this back sure. because it lasted for three seasons. Sometime before or around the time of the motion picture was when they did the animated show, mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't it wasn't like that ran for a long time. I think that's like a season or two at most. Yeah, it but was a season seventy three to seventy four. Yeah, so that was the it was the fans that brought this show back, mm-hmm. and they clamored for it. And it would be like today, um, us getting uh, a new you know, say Firefly uh, movie, and then it becomes this thing over the next 10 years because we're right about that time. It's like that's what happened with this. It was fans that kept bringing it back and allowing Gene Roddenberry to continue to play in that, that sandbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of impressive when you really get down to it. I also, I don't know how many of you noticed this, but I never made the connection. Like I always knew that Next Generation's opening theme came from Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yep. That was where that theme originated. Mm-hmm. I never realized that unless that was unless it was something in the remastered episode or version that I watched, the bed music on the Enterprise was that same melody. Huh. When I was okay. watching this episode, I'm like, that's the TNG theme. That's the motion picture theme, like melody playing in the background. Hmm. Messed with I my head. I don't know that I noticed. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But it's probably... I should say, yeah, the remastered version is what you're going to see on Paramount Plus, and they remastered that. Which, quite honestly, they needed to. Like um, 2016? It was something. I mean, no, 2006, yeah. I'm sorry. 2006, yeah, 2007. Show. So, like, because I definitely noticed when we saw the ship and, you know, the... Um, the actual titles and stuff, I was like, dang, that looks that really looks so, good. Yeah, the outside of the ship, and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Why does so, this look so nice? And then after the fact, it was like, oh, yeah, they remastered that in 2007, and that's when I was like, okay. So, All right. So. They did it subtly. I think subtle enough, yeah. Yeah. Um. So Spock's brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about this. So I love that we open with just a bunch of staring. We get this random spaceship coming and everybody's just staring in directions like, hmm, hmm. Slow burn. (laughs) This was the 60s. We didn't need to move that fast. Yeah. This played out like a like a Western, you know, with the black hat and the white hat Mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. Just kind of walking towards each other or hiding behind a rock with tense music for 15 minutes. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just we were we were so into that level of, you of got, patience. You got to get then. to the tension so we can have a commercial break, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. But I did love <laughs> one that ship shows up. They go to red alert, and you get a big old condition alert sign right up there on the wall. It's mm. like, good job, guys. I don't know what you use that for otherwise, but it looks like just condition alert right there in that big old square. <laughs> um, and then Scotty's in love with this ship. I love like, that. So good. Way, way He's too like, much. look at it. Ion thrusters. This is mm-hmm. great. Everything's perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is Scotty, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, and and that's a thing that they carried over in all the properties. Like he's always fawning over other ships and things. And mm-hmm. when he's on I that episode that. of uh, when he's on the episode of TNG, oh, yeah. it's like the cutest thing oh, in the world. It's so good. when he's like in the <laughs> yeah. in the engine room, it's so good. And Jordy's so annoyed with him. <laughs> and then we get the single lady beaming on the ship. And then she just has her knockout button and just presses it. No, you go to sleep, people. That was my favorite thing I've ever seen. Because everybody just fell in different ways. It's so mm-hmm. good. And then, when, and then the continuity errors of their positions when they cut and then went back. Yeah. I was like, Kurt didn't, didn't fall that way. Mm-hmm. Kurt was uh, definitely no. not in that position. And I loved Uhura <laughs> was just slayed back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're all supposed to be p- passed out, but they're definitely holding themselves up because it was, that's just not. It was sick pay that was the best though, because you oh, got to so see good. that nurse's space panties, and that, that was uh-huh. really good. Yeah, <laughs> let's uh, maybe pick a different camera angle there, buddy. Yeah. And then they all come to, and Kirk's like, "Hey, figure out what happened. Where, where's Spock?" And then as soon as he asks the question, he gets the message from. The doctor, good old Bones. It's like, Kirk, get down here now. So him and Scotty go down, and we find Spock laying on the table. Apparently, they're keeping him alive on life support while he's got the nice little golden knit bandage on his head. I call BS that Kirk could read that chart and be like, wait, that's <laughs> fully on life support. You don't know. You don't know. Um. Yeah, well, not not it's, that, that it's chart special. Wasn't... It's a special medical chart that, like, it's like psychic, slightly psychic paper. It just shows him what he needs. <laughs> it yeah. showed all the things. It was like cell growth, mm-hmm. lung capacity. Right? Well, because we got to use it for everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is just what it looks like. <laughs> this is the capsule that fixes people. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so Bones has trouble getting it out, and Kirk is just like, "What? What's wrong? What's the mystery?" <laughs> Bones is just like his brain is gone. <laughs> so good. They knew how dumb that was. Oh my god! They oh, knew absolutely. when they were saying the words, and they went so hard. Let me they tell were you, like, we don't care. Let's one more, go one more time. Not only this is the episode that most people say is the worst, including the actors. Like Leonard Nimoy is quoted saying, "I'm embarrassed that we made this." Why? It's All he fast. did was it's sit so and good. stare off at nothing the whole episode. Like Leonard Leonard Nimoy had the easiest job in this episode. Just he really did. But you know, an actor like Leonard Nimoy probably wants to be doing more than just sitting there. So probably. I can understand that. And so they're explaining this, and am I the only one that caught at the beginning where Bone sounds like he his body could just live on for however long yeah. so that was the part yeah. right because he's like 
no, it seems to be doing everything on its own. I don't know. Seems fine. And then he's like, you know, well, how long have we got? Well, if it was, you know, if it was us, you know, forever, I guess. But but for a Vulcan, I don't know. 24 hours, I guess. I feel like I feel well, no, like what happens like, here. I don't know. Kirk's going to find that brain. I'm going to f- yeah. find it in this galaxy somewhere. Let me go find it. And then Bones is like, oh, yeah, by the way, 24 hours. Yeah. And I feel like this is because he was worried that Kirk is going to get distracted without a deadline. Like they've been <laughs> together long enough that he knows that if he's not like, hey, you have 24 hours, he's going to like get distracted by the next alien in a miniskirt, and then they're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. Spock's fine, right? He, he can wait. He's just, we'll get it. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> Again, he's, brain fine. We need to. he's got the golden knit yeah. bandage on his head. He's fine. He's fine. Um, yeah. It's not holding anything in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How they did not explain how his body got from the bridge to sick bay. They did explain explanation of that. No, I think they said that she. They did the taking the brain out down there, and that's where Bones found it. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure because I watched it twice, and I think that I think I had that same question, and it was like, oh, okay, wasn't so. I like the way she still. Pat's Spock's head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this I mean, brain is the one I want. This one. I will say it was nice of them to take the brain out, put the top back on, and clean everything up. But like Bone said, mm-hmm. there was no bleeding or anything. So no, they didn't even have to shave his head. Mm-mm. I mean, they just yeah. That's impressive. Good. I know, right? <laughs> so don't worry about the hair. They magically are able to figure out the. Uh, trail that the they other ship left. follow the ion trail. The yeah, ion because trail. Because it's an ion propelled engine, mm-hmm. which is what we were fawning over right. not five minutes ago. So like, okay. We'll go. It's so they're fine. following the trail. It's not, That's enough. It, it's not Star Trek without techno babble. It's, it's, it's ionic propulsion and it gives yep. you an ionic trail and we can follow that. Fantastic. Good enough. <laughs> so they follow it. Kirk just goes back and forth pacing the bridge and it's like they're Yes, we've got it. And then Sulu turns around. We lost it. (laughs) And then they're trying to figure out, well, what happened? They happen to be in a system with some livable planets. So it's got to be Because we already know that these people breathe air like our air, Mm -hmm. which they called the usual, which that's close-minded of you, Kirk. Um, (laughs) That's our usual, but let's not. Well, I mean, he also assumes everyone speaks English when he just starts talking to them. So, <laughs> right. yeah. Kirk's, Kirk's not really. Uh... He's like so... he's the ultimate American tourist. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, good thing he's captain. Tell me. <laughs> so they debate Females. over which of these planets they should go to, and eventually just pick the one that's got, um, what is it? Regulated something coming out. Yeah, that they find some sort of energy fluctuation. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, the most There's a lot of energy fluctuations in Star Trek. <laughs> That's like your your biggest mm-hmm. one. Regular mm-hmm. fluctuations. Oh, yeah. So a hunch, Captain? Yeah, a hunch. <laughs> Basically. Okay. That's fine. We're out it of time. Was the so... one, it, it was the one planet of the three that shouldn't have any real like life on it or any yeah. civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because there was some random reading, Kirk is like, well, this is, has to be it. Right. Because... Yeah. 
The other two were much better candidates, but they're like, well, they're what they say. One one of the planets was like the year sixteen forty five, yeah, fourteen or something. something. And mm-hmm. I was like, how yeah. do you know that off the top of your head, Kirk? <laughs> yeah, we don't From have just, like, the, the data pads waves. yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like we can't pull up this information like they do on TNG all the time because that's fine. They pull up obscure facts all the time, and that's fine because they basically have an iPhone, and so have, you know yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kirk, you don't know this. No, this I, whole, I this whole say, episode, I was like, you don't know. <laughs> I learned a new word with this episode that I had not heard before. Glaciated. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. that was a word. Gotta be honest. No. So they go to the primitive glaciated planet, mm-hmm. start looking around, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, get introduced to the primitives there with very <laughs> interesting outfits and haircuts. Definitely just a band that they hired. That's what I like, that hair, those guys are playing instruments at some pub nearby later tonight. Mm-hmm. That's the the whole the hair of the bangs cut yep. straight across the front, and then mm-hmm. just like a bob. This is what <laughs> and a beard. This is what this culture looks like, and a big beard, and the most nineteen sixties outfit you've yeah. ever seen. Let's wear like, fur, on the fur on just one arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part about these people is that Kirk finds himself entirely unable to communicate with them because they don't understand what women are. And Kirk's like, I'm out. I have nothing to talk about here. We've exhausted what I know. (laughs) I can't talk to you. You don't know women. It just doesn't work. Yeah, It was was the genuine confusion on Kirk's face when he's like, women. Female, you know, like a mate. And the the guy's just looking at him like he's got three heads. And Kirk's like, I I, I got nothing. I'm out. (laughs) Just runs out of They landed in Space San Francisco. And now they've got nowhere to go. Yeah, and then um, Chekhov all of a sudden finds a signal of something in the ground. Mm. And they go and look and they find what is apparently a trap for these dudes, for the primitive dudes that has food and tools. I did like that Kirk immediately spotted that. Like, he may be a womanizer, but he's not an idiot all the time. <laughs> True. So he was like, "Oh the, no, there's no way these those guys made these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't even know what women are, <laughs> right?" <laughs> so they figure they got to they got to trip this trap, whatever it is, and figure out what's going on. So we need to bring Spock because whatever's going on, he needs to be close. That so, was the uh, best part. Oh Lord. Dr. Well, no, Bones he, and Mr. Spock. So, that's the thing, Beam though. He down. didn't know that Spock was coming. He just wanted bones. He calls up to the ship and is like, send down Dr. No, McCoy. And McCoy shows up with Spock. They had the conversation to bring Spock. Yeah. Because mm, McCoy didn't yeah. want to do it. And he's like, no, we have to do it so that when we find the brain, you can put it back. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. Which is my favorite thing yeah. about McCoy, as opposed to like a lot of, not all, but a lot of the other Star Trek doctors, like Dr. Pulaski, my least favorite from TNG, who was there when, uh, what's her, Gates McFadden was having her baby. She was like, I can do anything. I can replace Worf's spine. Whatever. Hippocratic oath my ass. Let's go. And but McCoy's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about brain surgery. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. A Nobody a knows how to do this. Doctor. Arms flailing. Nobody knows how to do this. So much flailing. <laughs> it's a Vulcan brain, too. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Completely different. McCoy was like a like a field medical yeah. officer, right? Like that's yeah. really what he was. He was he was your field medic 
in the army that's just like, uh, we'll keep you, we'll stop you from bleeding more. Yeah, we'll but rub some dirt that's on like it. You'll be all right. The extent of my knowledge is yeah. to just stop Which, the thing that's happening right now and get you gosh, back out there. One little tangent: if there's one thing J.J. Abrams nailed in those movies, mm-hmm. it was bones. Good yeah. lord! Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Carl Urban did mm-hmm. very well in that role. It's fantastic. But back to this: so they bring Spock with his funky little almost headphones. It so we just know come nothing to his about brains, but we do know how to turn <laughs> a brainless corpse into <laughs> a remote a control robot. <laughs> a remote yeah. control robot. Which, Rock and sock and some robot. trivia that With... that exact remote was used later on DS9 or something for a oh, similar I purpose. Completely believe that. I also love so. the like clockwork noises whenever Spock would yeah. move. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like hearing things the first time. And I was like, "Why? Why yeah. does he have gears all of a sudden?" I, I want to say Bones it was the remote, but still, that like a race car. I love that a future remote or whoever has all the clicking. I'm like, like if he's in like a suit, right? Like if we put him in like an exo suit and that's what's moving him, I would go, "Okay, right?" But no, just <laughs> headband, remote. Let's go. Mm-hmm. grinding gears. Let's go. <laughs> So they take him into the cave, they trip the trap, and they realize it's some kind of elevator. Which one of my favorite little jokes was Bone saying, call Chekhov, tell him to send my stomach down. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty good. (laughs) I love that Chekhov is wandering around with the two red shirts. Yeah. Uh And goes and uses the magic rock heater gun. Yeah. And that, was, that way would be, I want one. I just got back from a camping trip. Yeah. And I'm like, that would be kind of nice to have. Now, mm-hmm. nothing beats an open fire. But also heating up a rock. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. I'd take it. I do like how they made a little <laughs> joke earlier about Chekhov being Russian. He's like, it's only 40 here. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, All right. So that was the other dude. part. We're in space using Fahrenheit. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're in space. In a show for, at the time, mostly Americans. Do you expect no, them to understand anything but Fahrenheit at that just point? Just make up something else. You just use any number. Yeah. It's just yeah, space. It's space they, got that, they got that better. That, they, they fixed that in later later series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> so they go down. Elevator opens. There's another lady who's not the one we saw before, but she's got the wrist controller. But this time, Kirk's faster with a phaser. And you see that great... Phaser technology of just screen goes green. Boo! That's fine. And knocks mm-hmm. her out. Which is funny I to had me to... considering Chekhov had his phaser and they did a little beam thing from the phaser, but they couldn't get that to work at people? No, I, I actually <laughs> had to rewind it move. the first time. The The first time they did it against the, the giant fur-wearing mm-hmm. men. They did the same, and I like backed it up. I'm like, did I see that right? Did they just like flash the green across the entire screen and then move? Okay, yep, they did. Yep. They have like one little dot on whoever it is that gets hit. <laughs> but yeah. So. But again, you know, a budget TV show, um, mm-hmm. especially third season where its budget was slashed more. Yeah. I'll get it to them. You know what it means. That's all that matters. You get right. it. Yeah. Mm hmm. So they knock her out, try to figure out where to go, and then. Pick up Spock on the communicator. Yeah. It's just like, Spock's hey, like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. Is Bones with you? I Can I, I talk to somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> Is literally anyone else here? Yeah? Yep. Okay, great. 
and he hears helpful. everybody else. It's like, oh, hey, doctor, how are you doing? <laughs> and as they're, you know, homing in on where they think Spock's brain is, they meet up with the lady and the original lady that we saw in this episode and a couple guards. She's quicker on the draw this time. Knocks everybody out, but Spock? Because... Well, because he doesn't have a brain, is my theory. Right. Mm. Like, he's A, no threat, and mm-hmm. B, there's no brain for it to work on, because that's right. how I'm going to pretend that it works. Yeah. Well, I mean, the brain is what tells given... you you are feeling the yeah. pain, so yeah. there's nothing there to feel the pain. Why would you feel any pain? Yeah. You just gave more explanation than the show did, so. True. Yeah. That's fine. But... Welcome to science fiction. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we love it. And Uh then they're woken up in a room with more of these ladies who are feeding fruit to some of the gentlemen in this room. Just randomly. Mm -hmm. All of the dudes have a funky belt on now. The training belt. Mm -hmm. I took notes. I took notes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, button on your on your cuff, right? Okay. Uh huh. And Kirk and them are asking her, "What you do with Spock's brain? We know you came on the ship." Um. They keep trying to talk to her, and Bones is the only one that immediately figures out they're just—they have the brains of a kid. You can't talk to them. You can't reason with them. They're not engineers. Where's the person in charge? I want to talk to him. Right. <laughs> Who runs we've, this place? We've dealt with a lot of misogyny on this show so far. But mm-hmm. this one, it was awful. But also, it was just so funny. Like, it just, yeah. I couldn't even be mad. Like, I can't be mad. It was hysterical. Oh, they're yeah. not engineers. Oh, of course. Like, they need a man brain. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. But then you get one of the... the m- most talked about quotes is when they keep asking her about Spock's brain and she just yells brain and brain. What is brain? Yeah. It's like, okay, men don't know what women are mm-hmm. and apparently they don't know what brains are either. Yeah. Cause they don't are understand. You no know, morgue or I morgue. Mm-hmm. What was that all about? Like are those guys, the morgues? Yeah. So they did uh-huh. like a time machine thing, except instead of like the worker class and the elite class, it was men and women. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which That's was largely wild. less effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're not going to make it very far with that kind well, of Well, they separation. clearly, I mean, they've clearly figured it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I like the idea. They, they catch them in the cave. They bring them down. They feed them fruit. They keep them. They train them with the belts. I assume there's breeding happening if that's how that this is surviving. And then if right. they're if they're males, they just pump them back out in the snow and hope that the other guys mm-hmm. pick them up. I love it. It's great. All right. It, apparently, system. it's apparently worked for them for thousands of years. So it's like a Rick and Morty plot that is basically the same exact thing. <laughs> uh, I could just imagine the dudes up there like, oh, here's another baby. <laughs> Where do babies come from? <laughs> that cave, actually. We <laughs> don't know why. Just as it's soon as they can toddle, they just send them out. They just show up. Uh huh. I also like that this is about the halfway point. So we get after the commercial break an update from Sulu on the Enterprise. 
Yeah. For like two seconds. That's it. I mean, he's just like, yeah, they're down there. We're still monitoring up here, waiting to hear. In case you were wondering what was going on on the ship. Sulu's got it under control. Yeah. Ship's log, Lieutenant Sulu. No clue what the hell's going on. He Back made to you, popcorn. <laughs> waiting to hear. Uhura makes and then I wrote down. He had some sort of contracted amount of time they have to work on any given episode. So they <laughs> slipped them in there. So they're like, well, we got them here and we owe mm-hmm. it to them. So let's just make a scene real quick. And then um, the boys managed to get their gear back by having a little tussle with their guards. Scotty keeps getting literally thrown around by one of them. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, yeah. I noticed oh, Scotty- like two or three times he's just thrown. Like Scotty Kirk and Bones get some hit in. We got Scotty getting tossed around like a rag doll. We got we got the Kirk maneuver. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Two fisted axe handle to the back. <laughs> yep. Uh, yes. and and Robo Spock is just sitting there the whole time, stone mm-hmm. stone straight while all this chaos goes on around him. And I love that. Like I can just imagine being Leonard Nimoy in that moment. Like oh, yeah. I just have to sit here. I mean, if you're sitting there thinking about how stupid it is, I guess that works, right? Yeah, because I've heard stories about how professional Nimoy is. Like, I remember a story about him auditioning for the role of Galvatron in Transformers the movie. And that somebody heard him going into a bathroom and, like, doing vocal stuff just for the audition. And they're like... <laughs> we hired you for you. You've got the yeah. part. This this isn't an audition, but okay. Like no, I have a I have a deep love of of Cambridge, Massachusetts own Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. He is so, a delight. But I did love like at this point they, they beat the guys up, they get their stuff back, and you alluded to it just a minute ago, Amy. Probably my favorite sexist line from Scott. Those women could never get anything as complex as this to be. That takes engineering genius, but there's no sign of engineering genius in any of those women. Now, listen. All right. Now, Ferris. Now, I'm standing with him on the fact that the women they have met clearly do not seem to have the chops. But also, we already know from the readings that this is like a huge underground complex. So shut up. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) So they start talking to Spock again because they've got their uh, communicators. Um, And they're just trying to... They go back and forth with Spock. I like this part because Spock's like, you should go back to the ship. There's no way to fix this. But we're going to try and get you. I don't think you should. There's no way to fix this. But you're almost out of time. Beam us a signal. Acknowledged. He just immediately was like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> sure, of course. And then they follow follow him to where he is. Apparently, the brain is in a box connected to everything. Um, leader, leader woman is there just hanging out. Um, and she does the whole pain thing again because they've still got their belts on. And they managed to not be completely knocked out this time, enough to control Spock to go over to her like an automaton and hit the red button to release their belts. Mm-hmm. Because Spock's voice told them that's how they could stop it, just to hit the yeah. red button. Right. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. went on, he went on the internal wiki and looked mm-hmm. it up. 
And then we get a bunch of talky talky back and forth about how this works. What's it? How do you do this? How did you do this? What? How does this? And we find out that there's a intelligence in the machines. Spock's telling us, "Hey, there's all this data and knowledge in the machine, and they get it from over here." And there's a big glass helmet thingy with a bunch of metal pieces sticking out. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how dangerous it is, and then they immediately put the lady in it. Like, Against it. her will. She very much does not want to do this. Right. No. Exactly. And they're like, no, you gotta go. Mm-hmm. What? Luckily, for them and for her, nothing harmful happens, but she then has the knowledge. And it's like, it turned on her brain, basically. Yeah. Um. I wondered if they weren't trying to go between having some other intelligence in the knowledge or just her having the knowledge. Sometimes I was back and forth. It's like, what, what exactly are they doing? Um, but she's much more forceful with Kirk at this point. Um, and good enough that she gets his gun. Yeah. And is like, get out of here now. And then probably one of my favorite things, Scotty pretends to faint. Distracts her well yeah. enough for Kirk to just to take the gun right back. Worst. Oh, that that, that made me laugh so much. It was just <laughs> terrible. It was just like he barely faints, and she. Uh-huh. Oh. It was so <laughs> so bad. So bad. And then they're they know they have the knowledge. They can get the knowledge, and it lasts for three hours. She says. So Bones three is of like your hey. hours, which. I assume that part of her infinite knowledge is that she knows how to convert to <laughs> she knows how to convert time right. from there to right. us. Time. Sure. Yeah. Well, at this point, she has all the knowledge. So, but Bones is like, "Hey, let me do it, and then I can fix Spock." And there's a little back and forth. It could kill you. It could not. I don't know, Doctor. But he does it yeah, anyway. She won't do it, right? Because she they, they did that back and forth. Like you have to do it. And she's like, no. But you have to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Yes. And I'm like, this is killing a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. This, this is, is that. This you're. This is the D and D campaign moment where the DM's like, no, this character isn't going to give, and the play character is like, I'm. You, but you have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it just, you know, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I loved it. Good time killer. Uh huh. Then Bones puts the uh, <laughs> see through helmet on. Apparently gets the knowledge and thinks, oh, it's so easy. A child could do it. <laughs> well, Cut good news, because to... you're going to do it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cut so to brain real, surgery. I think of this. And this, this, it gets so good from here. Oh, this God. scene is my favorite <laughs> oh, God. scene in all television. Uh, it's unbelievable. Oh. Leonard Nimoy on a humanoid-shaped table yep. with a Big old wall up to his head. You still see some of his hair, though, so it's not, oh, yeah. not too far back. But it's there, and the doctor's just going to town. Like Scotty said, he's um, operating at warp speed. Which is the best, because Scotty's just there, like, leaning over. He's going <laughs> to yeah. drop, like, a junior mint in there or something. Uh-huh. And Bones... Bones is taking like random implements from behind. Like you see him just mm-hmm. taking something. Like he's inserting just over and over little metal pieces of stuff. Because mm-hmm. you can't see a lot, but you can definitely see that he's taking stuff in one hand, doing something with it, turning, grabbing something else. 
And what has he got going on back there? And then while he's doing that, we have Kirk over here with our leader lady turning on the Kirk charm, explaining to her how society needs to be. You go up there with the men, and y'all be together like you should have been. This weird arrangement shouldn't have ended like this. I'd have just taken Kirk's brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, you know what? Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, this is before the Prime Directive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. N- not that Kirk would have cared about <laughs> right. the Prime Directive. No. He would have just been like, uh, yeah, you know, y'all just need to make uh, Whoopi constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just what you do. <laughs> but here, let me show you. Right here. I'm, like, I'm surprised they didn't get to the. She was asking, "How will we stay warm?" He's like, "Well, there's ways to stay warm. Let me tell you." <laughs> well, that was the other part, right? Because they talk about the. I think it was like at one point when it's like, I think it was while they were captured, right? And they were talking about how the the the, the mog up top there refer to them as like the bringers of pain and pleasure mm-hmm. and and was it bone says something to kirk about like well i you notice the pleasure part and he's like oh i know it is not even trying to be no. subtle anymore nope. No. so nope not a bit <laughs> again kirk's over here with kirk charm trying to explain it and then you see scotty seeing bones and bones Bones isn't doing so good, and Scotty's the one that notices. He's like, uh, Bones? Captain? Captain? And Bones. He gets real sweaty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Bones just starts sweating. Uh huh. There's nothing clean about this room at no. all, while Spock's brain is just out and in the world. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk about DeForest Kelly, this whole scene of operating, <laughs> and his facial features and his eyes just going up and going down, going up, going down. He's doing, we get to, he's doing a lot of acting with his face. It's not uh-huh. necessarily oh, yeah. good acting, but he's doing a lot of it. <laughs> he's doing so much right? of it. It's, the it's, script just says, be in deep concentration. And he's like, oh, okay, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I up, down, up, down. But then he starts losing it, and then he keeps, he's got some instrument up around his mouth and face. I'm like, dude, right. you're going to poke your own eye out. <laughs> I watched Careful. him put his fingers close to his mouth. I'm like, dude, you're working on a brain. <laughs> you're a doctor. You, This isn't knowledge that the, the, the controller gave you. This is just knowledge you have right. as you don't put your hands on your face while well, you're operating on someone. I mean, let's be honest. We don't <laughs> see what's on the other side of that wall. They could have some kind of... They got a real good HEPA filter back there. Yeah, exactly. You know, sure. There's a a sterilization field uh, around the brain. It's what that blue light is. Yeah. (laughs) And so he's having trouble, and they decide, what is it? Kirk tells him, hey, why don't you uh, attach his mouth? See if Spock can help you out. The guy on the table who does not have his brain completely connected. Is going to help out the doctor connect the brain. Sure, why not? Uh, yeah, go go for it. And so they do. <laughs> and then it becomes me and my dad trying to fix anything, right? <laughs> right? Like, is it working yet? No, try try another one. Okay, how about now? Yeah, no, it's it's doing something now. I don't do it. Do that again. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh that was perfect because that's pretty much what it was except yeah. it was like spock barely talking like do it a little bit more to the left okay there we go doctor now try this 
All right, now you have to hook up every nerve in my body. I'll uh-huh. let you know when it's working. And you do that by testing every nerve. Here, here's your pinky finger. Let me poke it. There we go. Here's my wrist. Oh, yep, that works. Elbow. Yep, that's working. Good job. Fantastic. Perfection. And then they, you know, they kind of skip through all that, luckily. Thank the well, maker. I mean, anything's possible during the cutaway. Right. Yeah. It's a Vulcan brain. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then Spock sits up and he's fine. And not only is he fine, he's super happy to figure out what's been going on this whole time. Which just, is cute. This just is goes the right be- into like... it. It's fascinating. A glacial event. They got separated into these two different societies. And then you get Bones with the... Well, okay. Bones has two <laughs> excellent lines. Earlier mm-hmm. while he's reattaching the brain. He's, he says, I'll never live this down. The Vulcan is telling me how to operate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then afterwards, he's like, as Spock's like all giddy explaining what happened, it's like, I knew I shouldn't have. And they're like, what's that? Reconnected his mouth. <laughs> and Spock's just the does the eyebrow. He's the only one who has any clue of what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let him have this. You don't care anymore. You're like, no, nah, it's fine. We just uh-huh. destroyed their entire way of life. Like, whatever. <laughs> right. I don't care why. Also, so it's... much for retaining whatever knowledge he got was supposed to get. Yeah. That didn't stick. Yeah, because yeah, he's going he's gonna to bring it back to the world. Mm-hmm. I think you can take he was brains like, out well, and He did say maybe. He said maybe. Right. Yeah, he yeah. said maybe. maybe I can, but... I love like Spock coming out of it just just giddy with all the knowledge he's had and all like mm-hmm. the the experience he's had because it's so Spock yeah to just be right. like this knowledge and information and it was awesome and oh my god and da 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 and everyone's just like it's okay Spock it's like, calm down sure <laughs> it's cool it's cool yeah go tell um, Sulu he asked he asked me to tell you to tell him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the end of that episode. Like, There's okay, a good cool. group laugh. I love a group laugh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. At the end of a sitcom, how have we not had a group laugh at the end of an episode yet? But I'm pretty <laughs> sure we haven't. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it took us until Star Trek to get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's un- unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, that was Spock's brain. Um, again, after this episode, ratings went down. Star Trek was canceled. But it still blew up anyway, so yeah. It pulled a it pulled a Obi Wan. If you strike me down, I'll become more <laughs> powerful than you could possibly imagine. Yep, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. Okay, Steven, after watching this episode, what do you think? I love Star Trek. I love it. I love this episode. <laughs> I love the two episodes I watched. I think we talked about last week. I had started kind of going through it, just be like, what's all this about? This era of television is just mine. Just mm-hmm. like <laughs> The I Dream of Genies and the Dragnets and the Star Trek, like this this aesthetic of weird pink and highlighted greens and everything's <laughs> on a sound stage. Like, I just, I love it. Want more. This was great. All right. Amy, what did you yeah. think of this one? I, it, it was so good. Like, yeah, it's weird. Um, but that does not make it less amazing. Because I am like I am from the from the next generation era, so like my my knowledge of TOS is pretty high, but like my actual experience of it is a little less. Because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, it was a little more boring, right? Like mm-hmm. it was just not good. Like I didn't get it, but now I get it, and it is incredible. Yep, 
Travis, what'd you think? Uh, same. I mean, I, I am a TNG child, uh, and, but I definitely watched original series quite a bit. And, um, but the same sort of thing, like it kind of came off as a little boring as a kid. It wasn't as action packed, but watching it now, love all of it. I mean, right down to like the ridiculous overacting of any time anyone gets hurt, <laughs> like uh-huh. just sprawling and rolling on the floor. And like so they, you can tell they, and... they all know how silly what they're doing is and they are just going for it. It doesn't matter. I, yeah. I love it so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. And I love that this episode has just about everything that is standard Star Trek. You've got Scotty, just oogling over whatever technology is around. <laughs> when Spock is Spock, he is Spock. Uh-huh. Even brain Spock in the middle of the planet. He's still like, logically, yep. you shouldn't do this. You should leave. And they're like, Spock, we're going to be here for you. You've got Bones <laughs> complaining left and right. Oh, yeah. And then you've got and you have, And you have Uhura do the like turn around and then like oh so this is going to be an actual conversation all right well let me tell you about what's going on here and taking out of the earpiece because she cannot handle them doing this the whole it's just a domino's ad Mm -hmm. she's got to turn up her podcast and you got a little bit of of sulu being you know great as sulu doing his Mm -hmm. thing sitting in the captain's chair when he needs to um you got a little bit of check off get a little bit of that russian humor i can stand the cold it's no problem (laughs) <laughs> nuclear um, whistles but still just the craziest plot yes we took spock's brain out of his body I, somehow it's like the second craziest plot mm-hmm. because someday we're going to make steven watch the voyage home mm, and it's going right. to be the best thing ever <laughs> <laughs> i'm ready yes dear listener after we after i announced it last week that we were doing this episode <laughs> we, we kind of talked a good bit off about how much we want Steven <laughs> to watch everything Star Trek. And yeah. we want to be there for it. Yeah. Yeah, take me on a journey. <laughs> I'm ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So that was Spock's brain. Um, now, if you want to let us know about your experience with Star Trek, what you thought about this episode, you can always email us at those were the days show at gmail.com. Did we check it this week, Travis? Did you check? I am checking I am checking the email inbox right now. Okay. So in about thirty seconds we can say yes. Right. I did check it. Um you can also talk to us on Twitter at Those Day Show. I don't think I saw many responses on Twitter either about Star Trek. Um, I didn't see any tweets this time, no. Yeah. Sadly, so. no emails, but I had but I did check. Okay. Well, feel free to send those along after listening to this and watching the episode yourself, because we would mm-hmm. love to hear back from you. Um, you know, like uh, Darkness Files in the chat has been uh, cracking the quips with us as well. So <laughs> it's been very fun. So thank you, Darkness Files. You're also always welcome to view us recording live. We do it every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash two dorks tv and then usually it, uh about a day or so later it gets released as a podcast lieutenant commander steven does a good job getting it out uh you can find it at anchor.fm slash those were the days show or whatever podcatcher you use it usually is there for you so um so that's been star trek steven what are we oh, watching yeah. for next week 
So I, I had the, an episode written on this spreadsheet until right before we started the show tonight. <laughs> it, was, it was a great episode. It, was, it, it followed my definition of jumping the shark as in just bonkers plot. Uh, but it was too good. It was too good of an episode <laughs> of television. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. It turned out that it was early in the seasons for this show. And I'm like, no, no, no. It, it can't use an iconic episode of TV as a jump shark episode. So I went looking around. Uh, so we're going in blind. I've never watched this episode of TV, uh, so this should be good. Um, Laverne and Shirley. Ooh. Uh, we're getting into that. Uh, season 8, Episode 2, Window on Main Street. Uh, I did a little bit of research, and apparently this is when the show is considered to be going downhill because Laverne and Shirley leave uh, Milwaukee and move to Manhattan. Ah. And... So that's kind of a jump the shark thing when you mm-hmm. change location, mm-hmm. add characters, change location, move sets around. Anytime you make a big change like that is usually a jump the shark thing. And I think Shirley stick, stuck around for the show for a while after this, but not very long. Uh, and then I think she was the one that bounced first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see how it, how it goes, what it's all about. But uh, it's, I watched a few minutes of it and I was already pretty excited about it. So it might not even be bad TV. Uh, nice. We'll just have to find out. Uh, but Laverne and Shirley is definitely a favorite of mine. It's a spinoff of Happy Days, so it was mm-hmm. one of those that was also in in contention for running last uh, last theme. Uh, but yeah, we decided to get to it. And the episode I was going to do before I found this one, that's going back in the back pocket there. <laughs> that happened. Nice. At some point, yeah. Where can be, we? It'll be good. Where can we watch it? You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, That was the only place I was able to find it. I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode uh, so you can go check it out. Uh, But again, that's season eight, episode two of Laverne and Shirley. Nice. And we'll we'll put that, we'll tweet that out too so you can find it there. Yep. If that helps. All right. So I think that will do it for us tonight. Prepare for beaming as we leave you and prepare for next week's voyage. For Commander Amy, Lieutenant Commander Steven, and Lieutenant Commander Travis, this is Captain Audie saying, live long and prosper. This has been Those Were the Days. <laughs>